Hey friend and happy Monday, June 28th. As always, thank you for tuning into Divine Exhortations with Drea. This is the last episode, y'all, of season one. We have come a long way and uh, we're going to close this segment off with a good character Bible study. And today we are looking at the life of Stephen and we are going to take a look at Stephen's character profile for our last episode. Oh my goodness. All right. So Stephen, his character profile. A couple things noted about Stephen is that he was full of faith and grace he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was wise Stephen was full of power and did great signs and wonders Stephen had a good reputation and lastly his face was like the face of an angel Stephen is first introduced in Acts chapter 6 and His story continues through to Acts chapter 7. Just to provide a bit of context as we get to know this young man named Stephen, I will summarize the first few verses in Acts chapter 6 verses 1 through to 5. And my approach today, I'm just going to talk to you. That's it. Just going to talk to you about Stephen. So, uh, yeah. Just listen along and, um, uh, you know, take some uh, mental notes um, as it be, as we, you know, look at his character and just explore his story. Uh, At the beginning of this chapter, uh, Acts chapter 6, the number of disciples were increasing significantly. People were coming to know the Lord Jesus and there was a rapid growth taking place in the early church. They were successful in advancing the kingdom of God. But then a complaint came from the Hellenists against the Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked and neglected. The Hellenists believed the Hebrew widows were getting better care. And so just As a side note here, the Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews, and they were more inclined to embrace the Greek culture. Hebrew-speaking Jews were more inclined to embrace the Jewish culture. So irregardless of their titles, they were all Christians. They all were from a Jewish background and had embraced Jesus as their Messiah. So just wanted to point that out there for you. Carry on with the story. The apostles uh, call a meeting with the multitude of disciples. The apostles explained that they themselves should remain faithful to their calling, which was dedicated to prayer and the ministry of the word. It would have been ineffective for them to stay back and spend their time catering to the practical needs of these widows. So the apostles came up with the solution that the multitude of disciples and believers should pick seven men or deacons amongst themselves to address the matter. 
And the qualifications were that these men had to be of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So everyone was pleased with this recommendation and seven men were appointed and ordained for this ministry responsibility. The apostles prayed and laid hands on each of them and Stephen was one of the seven men chosen. From verses 8 through to 15 of Acts chapter 6, a few things have taken place with Stephen as we get to the end of this chapter. The Bible says Stephen was full of faith and power. He did great wonders and signs among the people. A group of men from Freedmen's Synagogue began to argue with Stephen, but they were unsuccessful in their dispute because they were not able to withstand or cope with Stephen's wisdom and intelligence of the spirit by which he was speaking. Because they could not go toe-to-toe with Stephen doctrinally, they secretly conspired and got people to say he was speaking blasphemous against Moses and against God. And of course, you know, Stephen never taught against Moses and God, but his glorification of Jesus was twisted. The words um, that he was saying, they took it and they mixed it up and made a lie at the end of the day. Uh, Stephen never spoke blasphemous words against the holy place, the temple, but he would not make it an idol as many Jewish people in that day did. And his words continued to get twisted and false accusations were brought against him. And sure enough, this riled up the people, the scribes, the elders. So they detained Stephen, brought him before the council, and they had set up a false witness to testify against him. Now, let's read uh, the last verse of Acts chapter 6, verse 15. And it reads as this, And all who sat at the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Amen. Okay, so the Sanhedrin council, they were looking at Stephen, and they saw that his face was the face of an angel. First off, I want to say I have no idea what the face of an angel looks like. Uh, I've seen paintings and images, and I'm sure you all have seen those paintings as well, and um, images and um, TV shows depicting what an angel would look like. But I believe Stephen would have not had this soft, mild, angelic look to him. What we do know is that his face did not look normal. And maybe there was a certain radiant glow he had. I I have no idea. Howard Marshall, in one of his commentaries, said this. The description is of a person who is close to God and reflects some of his glory as a result of being in his presence. Which this brings me back to... Uh, Exodus chapter 34 verses 29 to the end 
when Moses had come down from Mount Sinai after spending time with God, Moses's face had a shine, so much so the children of Israel got a little scared to even approach him. So Moses had to put a veil over his face whenever he had to communicate with them. So going back to Stephen, his face could have had the same, you know, reflected glow that Moses had as he was being, you know, um, being close and being intimate with God. Stephen's face reflected the perfect peace and confidence of one that knows and trusts his God. His face was not filled with fear or terror, though he had all these false accusations brought against him. He knew his life was in God's hands and that Jesus never forsakes his people. Moving on to Acts chapter 7, Stephen's story continues on, but unfortunately comes to a tragic end. From verses 1 through to 53, Stephen responds to the council. The high priest asks him, are these things so? Allowing Stephen to explain himself in light of the accusations. Stephen has this monologue where he talks about a series of things. He discusses the call of Abraham, the patriarchs in Egypt, how God delivered Israel through Moses, how Israel rebelled against God. He talked about God's true tabernacle and Israel resisting the Holy Spirit. When Stephen finishes his sermon and they hear everything he had to say, the council becomes enraged. They become very angry and they grind their teeth at him. They acted with rage, okay, instead of submission to the Holy Spirit and to what Peter was, and sorry, not Peter, <laughs> and to what um, Stephen was saying. See, I'm thinking about Peter because he was bold and he spoke um, <laughs> um, in places as well and was contending with people. So Stephen and Peter are pretty similar in that sense. All right, so let's read a few verses towards the end of Acts chapter 7, starting from verse 54 and ending the chapter at verse 60. It reads as this, When they heard these things, so the council, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. The witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Amen. The extent of their rage was shown by their execution of Stephen, 
which was done without regard for the Roman law and which was performed according to traditional Jewish custom. Okay, let me say that again. That they executed Stephen without considering the Roman law when it pertains to uh, stoning. The Jewish Sanhedrin had the authority to try criminal cases, but could not carry out the death penalty. And this has been um, a debatable topic. You know, scholars have looked at this and they've argued back and forth. Um, and one of the texts that they use to support this is in John chapter um, 18, verse 31. It's recorded that that the Roman law did not allow Jews to put people to death. So I'm going to read um, that verse in John 18, where um, this is in reference to Jesus. So Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. C.S. Keener stated this, Although scholars have debated the matter, which I've mentioned before, Rome apparently did not permit Jewish courts to exercise the death penalty, except in the case of a Gentile intruding into an inner court of the temple. They would flog and probably decree a person worthy of death, but executions not authorized by the Romans were illegal. The Romans had to try all other capital offenses. They often um, did not use stoning, but crucifixion for executing non-citizens charged with treason. All right. So that's this is what one um, <clears throat> commentator said. And Stephen was the first Christian martyr um, before his death. The opposition of the Jews had been limited to threats of imprisonment, verbal abuse, and finally to imprisonment and beatings. Um, Stephen's life ended in the same way he had been living, in complete trust in God, believing that Jesus would take care of him in the life to come. Stephen displayed the same forgiving attitude that Jesus had on the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He asked God to forgive his accusers, and the text describes the passing of Stephen as tenderly as possible. Instead, the text simply says he fell asleep and not that he died. Now, I've said a lot. <laughs> And I did say, you know, early on, I just want to talk to y'all today. And so I'm going to close this segment out um, with this portion and just kind of further wrap everything up. Stephen was not only important because he had a great historical effect, but he was also important because of the very character of his life. He is a testament that the effect of a believer or believer's life or ministry has nothing to do with the length of it. Okay, I'll say that one more time. 
He is a testament that the effect of believers or a believer's life or ministry has nothing to do with how long they've been saved. His ministry was so short and yet it was the catalyst that caused the church to move out in the next step in its commission. Stephen wasn't superhuman, but he was a man filled entirely through all his being with the Holy Spirit. He was bold, courageous, compassionate, and anointed with power. Sometimes we don't realize how greatly we can be used of God if we walk in that same power of his Holy Spirit like Stephen did. We need to live a life full of faith, operating in the Holy Spirit. We need to live boldly, preaching, teaching, or sharing the gospel with those we meet. Let's ask God to give us the godly character like Stephen so that we will be courageous and be a wonderful witness for Jesus Christ. Let's leave the results to him and not worry about anything else. Whether false accusations rise up against you, whether people don't like what you stand for or believe in, whether there is opposition or resistance, whether we lose our life as a martyr, whether, whether God protects us. When you and I take our last breath here on earth, our next breath will be taken in his presence where our victor's crown awaits. Join with me as I close out in prayer. Lover of our heart, Savior of our soul, we love you. We are yours and we cling to you. We long for you. Your love for us is the one thing that makes sense when everything around us seems to be filled with confusion. We lean into you and the truth that you speak over us. You saw us before we were formed in our mother's womb and you rejoiced over us. You made plans for us, plans for your good, plans to prosper us and plans to protect us. You give us strength when our heart and mind is weak. You encourage us with your mighty right hand. Lord, we pray for courage to walk in the plans that you have for us. We pray that you would keep us close as we step out in faith and do your will for our lives. We will not let fear rob us from the blessings that you have for us. You have created us to do wonderful things in your name. And so, Lord, we trust in you. We believe in you. Lord God, change our character. Lord, help us to be full of faith and full of your Holy Spirit, God, to be wise, to have compassion, Lord, when dealing with people. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful example of Stephen's life. And I pray, Lord, today that we would reflect upon that, Lord, that we could take some things and apply it to our lives. 
God, your word is awesome and we just truly appreciate all the things that we read and all the things that we learn. Have your way in our lives today. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. We're almost finished. Stick around and listen to the outro. Friends, it has been a blast sharing in the word of God with you for the past several weeks. I started out in March a bit timid and unsure, but now I can say I have developed more confidence in myself and in God's word. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in and showing your continued support. I appreciate everyone who has sent me messages personally. You've posted me on your IG stories. You left a review, gave me a good rating and so on. And I just want to say with my whole heart, thank you so much. As I close out season one of Divine Exhortations, this is not goodbye indefinitely. I will be back in the fall with season two. And I will be having a few friends come on here and share a word of exhortation that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. It's going to be amazing. So until then, may his peace be with you. Take care, be safe, and have a wonderful summer. Much love and many blessings. Bye.